Let's say for a moment you could positively impact the lives of people who live nearly 10,000 miles away from you in another part of the world. In a country where there are more than 17 million people with about two-thirds of the population living in poverty, would you leave the comfort and familiarity of your home to help them? That's an easy question to answer for Tara Burns, a physician assistant at Banner MD Anderson Cancer Center in Gilbert, Arizona. It's easy to be motivated to get up at 5 in the morning when you just went to bed at midnight when you're there. Beds get clean, floors get mopped, and the doctors are doing it, the nurses are doing it, the PAs doing it, the anesthesia teams wiping their own supplies and cleaning their own supplies. You know that that's what you need to do and you work as a team to get it done. Tara spends quite a bit of time in operating rooms on the other side of the world, thousands of miles away from the comfort of her own home, providing life-changing medical treatment to people of all ages who suffer from all kinds of different issues. While she's at her regular job in Arizona, Tara plays a big role in a lot of plastic surgeries, helping patients whose bodies have been deeply impacted by cancer. There's another meaningful part of her life she never brags about or brings up for attention, even though it's absolutely fascinating and well-deserving of praise. She recently returned from her 30th humanitarian mission. That trip took her to Zambia in South Central Africa with a nonprofit group called Surgicor International, offering free surgical care to those in need. Tara has been helping Surgicor improve lives for 15 years, traveling twice every year to countries like Guatemala, Vietnam, and Bhutan. We asked her to share some of her most memorable moments, which turned out to be both humbling and inspiring. This is Banner Health Storytelling Podcast, Bedside Stories, highlighting some of the most emotionally compelling experiences that take place behind the scenes in healthcare. Today we bring you episode 11, Universal Ouch. Tara's desire to help others in different parts of the world started while she was in medical school. A department head asked if anyone was interested in doing mission work abroad, and out of 30 people in her class, Tara was the only one who raised her hand. She soon found herself helping with plastic surgeries in Vietnam, and right away she knew this was just the start. Tara's mom taught special education, and her family always encouraged her to help those less fortunate. So volunteering comes natural to her, though it's worth noting these trips are anything but easy. Each mission takes roughly two weeks, for which Tara uses her own personal vacation time and costs her about $5,000 out of pocket for airfare and other needs. Her passion for the work makes it clear this is a small price to pay in the grand scheme of things. On the recent Zambia mission, Tara and a team of about 20 volunteers performed 101 surgeries and medical treatments, drastically improving the quality of life for children and adults. Some of the cases she's treated are pretty intense, and occasionally they get a bit gruesome if you're squeamish, so we'll spread those out a little bit throughout the episode. Here's Tara to share some stories. So let me start by saying that the cases that you remember are the cases or the people that you can't help the people that you say no to, the people that you say, I don't have time for, I, you know, we'll see you next year. And those people may not be able to make it back to you next year. Something could happen. They may not have a ride. They may have spent all their money trying to get to you this time. But, you know, there are cases that stick out with you. Um, there is a guy in Bhutan who was protecting his livestock. Um, farming was his livelihood. And without these livestock, he wasn't able to, you know, function in society. His cow started to, like, tip over a hill, and he grabbed on to the rope for his cow and then basically got pulled 
down this hill, holding onto his cow to save the cow. Um, he basically scalped himself and lost pretty much half of his head, half of his face, um, where his scalp got peeled from holding onto this cow. And that's what he cared about because he needed to provide for his family. Um, and whatever it took to save the cow, he was going to save the cow. And he saved the cow. The day before the team starts treating patients, they often screen several hundred people who travel from all over the country for help. Tara says you never know what type of crisis you'll encounter next. It could be a snake bite. It could be a bear mauling. It could be someone with ambiguous genitalia. It could be half of their face has been eaten away by bacteria. You never know what's walking through the door. Um, here at Banner MD Anderson, you kind of know what people are coming in for. It's on the schedule. You can see what they, they need. You have their charts and their records. In Africa, in any other country that we operate in, they're coming in with maybe a piece of paper with their name and weight, and you have maybe a couple minutes to figure out if you can help them. Traveling to these countries can be a grueling and lengthy process for the volunteers, taking up to 36 hours to get to the local hospital and start setting up. There isn't much time to rest after they land. The team usually works 12-hour days with a turnover time of only about five minutes between treating each patient. Back to back to back to back, the team stays hyper-focused and charged with adrenaline. Hospital conditions are much different in some of these countries, too. Sometimes non-medical volunteers on the trip literally stay busy swatting flies in the operating room or keeping stray dogs from wandering into treatment areas. The team either brings all their medical supplies, with each volunteer carrying a 50-pound bag packed so full there's hardly an ounce of extra space, or they ship everything far in advance, since it can take months to get those packages to places like Bhutan. Still, there are times when they need a tool that isn't available. Hopefully the hospital has it. If not, you improvise. Um, we've gone to like a craftsman drill, uh, just the local mechanic, and gotten a drill to put a pin in someone's finger. Hearing some of Tara's stories, it's easy to understand how physically, mentally, and emotionally challenging the work can be, especially when it comes to children. There was a patient in Zambia a couple years ago. Um, there was a baby, I'm not even certain as to how old, maybe a year or so. And the mother brought the baby and something wrapped in a newspaper and turned out it was the baby's leg. Mom brought the leg hoping to get the leg reattached. Um, it turned out to be a snake bite that bit the kid, um, causing necrosis, death of the tissues, leg fell off. Um, we obviously weren't able to re replant it, but we were able to clean up the area, remove some of the bone, skin graft it so the baby could heal. In Bhutan, a man nearly lost his hand in a machinery accident, but Tara's team happened to be in the area helping patients. A surgeon was able to reattach his tendons and perform a skin graft, saving his limb. Some of it is by people walking for days or traveling by car for hours or taking buses and, you know, hitchhiking and walking um, and praying that we'll be able to save their child or, or help do whatever we can. Um, one other eventful story from Zambia, not this year, but previous years. There was a young girl, probably eight, carrying her two-year-old brother on her back. Um, the brother pulled down a, a pot of hot water onto both of them. Um, the brother ended up dying, and the, the daughter, the sister, ended up having burns of her arm and her face. 
and uh, she was holding her brother, and he died. Um, we were able to straighten her arm, but she'll live with the fact that her brother died on her back. No, you're good. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough stuff. It is hard. Yeah. Well, let's think about the, on the positive side. I mean, these are people who, if you all weren't there to help them out, then, you know, they might not make it or they might not be able to walk, you know. True. So, you know. They might not be able to eat for their cleft lip or their cleft palate. They might right. not be able to go to school because kids tease them and they don't want to go to school. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, in 45 minutes, we can do a cleft lip and change their their life forever. Tara said one of the hardest parts of these trips is coming home to the U.S. because of our country's drastic differences from developing nations. It's jarring to travel from an undeveloped area with extreme poverty one week, then home to a place filled with cutting-edge technology and everyday luxuries that are easy to take for granted. It's hard to come back to the mindset of we're operating in America, we're operating to get people very, very satisfied with how they look or how they function. Um, People in other countries, they want to be able to walk to school. They want to be able to farm. They want to be able to walk around their community and not get teased. So it's very different mindset. On the recent Zambia trip, Tara was joined by her colleague Melissa Shelby, a nurse practitioner at Banner MD Anderson. This was Melissa's first mission. She echoed the sentiments Tara mentioned earlier about the difficulty in having to turn some patients away. Because some of the cases were so complicated that they would need a lot of follow-up and you don't have those providers available to follow up or the ability to take care of them in a critical setting. We didn't have an ICU. It's just you want to do and you want to help each person that came through that door, but you had to realize the people that really could, you could help and others that you just didn't have enough resources to help, and others that you need to say next year will be your time. Have there been times you've gone back to the same place and you've seen people you've either helped or people that you weren't able to help before and you felt really? Yeah, there was a girl this year that uh, we've operated on since I started going which uh, to Zambia, which I think has been, what, nine years now. Uh, so we operated on her on year one um, and severe burns, arms, legs, hands, um, and she and her mother kind of gave their testimony at the end, and the little girl came up and danced and walked and came right over to us, who in year one was not able to do any of that. And her mom was crying, and of course we were all crying, just to see the impact of where she started to where she is now. Uh, granted, we've operated on her probably every year since, um, but seeing her walk up with her mother um, made us feel like we we're really making a difference and changing lives for the better. Why are burns so prevalent? It sounds like burns are a common theme. Why is it the case over there? Um, in a lot of countries, they warm their houses with fires. Uh, they cook over open flames. Um, they eat a lot of porridge, hot water, boil that. Um, kids walk by, pull it down. Kids roll over into fire in the middle of the night when their houses are being warmed. Uh, I've seen several kids have, or heard that several kids had seizures and kind of fell into fires. Um, so mainly cooking and warming issues. So you see a lot of, I would assume, 
birth defects, like you were saying, the, the cleft palate, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Burns, um, snake bites, probably a little less common, right? A little less common, um, mainly in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Bear mauling. Mainly in Bhutan, but yes. How many of those have you seen just off the top of your head? Maybe three. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the severity is? Uh, you're losing a lot of skin. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you're lucky to live through it. The local hospitals usually provide interpreters, or volunteers on the mission help with translation. That makes a huge difference on screening day when they can explain a procedure to a patient in advance. But in the operating room, translators are rarely present. Most of the time, patients are under anesthesia, but Tara's team still has to find ways to communicate with them before they're unconscious, while putting in an IV or giving a shot, for example. You kind of just use sign language or hand signals or, you know, you just do whatever you can gently to the patient and kind of just do it, which is very much different than here where you're explaining every step of the way what we're doing. I've learned ways, uh, you know, or you've learned certain words, knowing like pain or ouch or um, this is going to hurt. You learn certain phrases that you use and it may be only the only word that you know, but... is ouch a universal word? <laughs> Not really. No. Um, but uh, really, people get the gist. Yeah. 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 The first time, the first ouch. Yeah. The first ouch. Yeah. And then after that, if they need more, then then they wow. get it. Sometimes we're going through multiple translators because they speak, or they're from a tribe that only speaks one dialect, and then they translate it to another dialect, and then that person then speaks it to English to us. Um, but not everyone speaks all the same tribal dialects. There are actually 72 tribal dialects and languages in Zambia. In spite of the language differences, there's a special moment on the last day of every Zambian mission that transcends all barriers. Melissa played us a clip on her phone, and even hearing it through a little speaker, you get the chills. In the patient recovery ward, Tara and Melissa and the team of volunteers are surrounded by all the people they've just treated, along with the families who traveled from across the country for help. All at once, the air resonates with hundreds of voices joining together in joyous and unabandoned song. The feeling that you have inside of you is just overwhelming. And then they dance and they sing for you and they do it from deep within their soul. It's not just even their heart, it's like their soul comes to life within you and you just feel that connection. It's basically their way of saying, you know, they're appreciative and thank you. And even some of the family members say like, I have nothing to give you, but you know, I'm here and I will celebrate with you and I will celebrate for you by these songs and the dancing and the clapping and you know, the cheering. None of these families know each other. None of these patients know each other. And you would think that you're at a family reunion the way that everyone is singing and dancing and hugging each other and sharing about their child's surgery. So even if your arm is sticking straight over your head in a splint or your leg is in a cast, you're there celebrating with us. For Banner Health, I'm Corey Schubert, and this is Bedside Stories. If you like this episode, we invite you to click on that subscribe button for this podcast. You can also check out all of our previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. By the way, if you'd like to see photos from some of Tara's missions, visit surgicor.org or the group's social media pages. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Bedside Stories is written and produced by Corey Schubert. 
Production support is provided by Eric Joel LaFuente, Lauren Pettit, David Lozano, Charles Kellhofer, and Ralph Lopez. For more information about Banner Health, visit us online at bannerhealth.com.